Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to the Wellness Watch. I'm your moderator, George Strait. Asthma, it can be deadly. Every day it claims 11 lives. African-Americans are three times more likely to be the victims. So what can we do about it? What can we do to prevent it? And how can we advocate for the best care? This special edition of the Wellness Watch has the answers. We have one of the world's experts on asthma care and prevention, our host, Dr. Michael Lenore, and two senior officials from the Allergy and Asthma Network, Linda Mitchell, the interim CEO, and Charmaine Anderson, the director of advocacy. So Dr. Lenore, let's begin with the basics. Without getting too technical, what is asthma? Without getting too technical, the, the definition for asthma has changed dramatically over my career. When I first started, it was considered bronchoconstriction with muscular hypertrophy and cellular infiltration. And we really didn't know what that cellular infiltration meant. But now we know that asthma is an inflammatory disease of the lung. Uh, cells move in, set up shop, release chemicals, and those chemicals force the airway to close down. So that understanding asthma is as much understanding the, the cells involved and, the, and what we call cytokines or chemicals involved as, as it is in uh, understanding the clinical presentation. So I think what you're saying, Dr. Lord, that it, it, it's almost more than just one disease. It's the constellation, right? You know, it's almost, George, it's almost a wastebasket term, really, because there's so many different uh, presentations and so many different clinical courses for the various types. For instance, very young children often have something called reactive airway disease. It's usually triggered by infection. Uh, they benefit from treatment when they have the infection, and they don't benefit from it when, um, when they're not uh, symptomatic. Uh, they usually outgrow that by age four, five, or six. Uh, RSV, you heard a lot about, is one of the major triggers for that kind. And then uh, certain children have allergic asthma that goes on for several years, uh, generally often disappears in adolescence. And then there are several different types of asthma that, um, that adults have. Some have occupational asthma triggered by certain kinds of, um, of chemicals or uh, ingredients that they work around. Some people have, um, have what we call... Um, uh, intractable asthma, which is uh, adult intractable asthma, which comes on as an adult and is very difficult to manage. So when we say asthma, we're talking about a process. We're not talking about one disease or one clinical course. So Ms. Mitchell and Ms. Anderson, let's talk about that process. Let's talk about this, this, this basket of diseases and the campaigns that the network uh, has to combat asthma. Like the education campaign, I know that you're have had uh, for a number of years, the upgrading of medical kits on airplanes, and the, camp and the lobbying of insurance companies to pay for advanced asthma in that campaign. Uh, talk a little bit about those three, if you would. Well, sure. Well, some of the advocacy campaigns I will have Charmaine address, but as far as educational campaigns, we have a wealth of information on our website, allergyasthmanetwork.org. But one of the two main campaigns that we are, are 
um, championing this year is Is Your Asthma Under Control, which is a new campaign we began a couple of months ago because what we learned was that people don't know what asthma is and what asthma control means and what it doesn't mean and what has good asthma control looks like. And so we wanna help folks understand that. So we, for instance, educate about the rules of two, which are a list of five things that if you know that, for instance, you're using your asthma uh, quick relief inhaler of butyrol more than twice a week, you should be talking to your doctor. And if you continue to have symptoms in other ways that you should be talking to your doctor, just because you get release from your, relief from your asthma inhaler doesn't mean your asthma is under control. So that's an example of our Is Your Asthma Under Control campaign. And then we have a project that is called Trusted Messengers. We began back during the pandemic, and that was to address in local communities the impact of COVID and asthma on the black and Hispanic Latino population. So we have been going into communities. We've been screening folks for asthma, teaching them about good asthma control, going to see their doctors, making sure they understand the need to get vaccinated, things like that. We still do that. And part of that is an asthma coaching program where we do free asthma coaching using a smartphone or using a computer or tablet. And what we do is we work one-on-one -on -one with individuals to help teach them about asthma self-management so they can get stronger understanding of good asthma management and how they can work with their doctor to get the best asthma care that they um, can to manage their asthma. So I'll leave it there and let um, Charmaine talk about our advocacy initiatives. Sure, thank you, Linda. Um, many of our advocacy efforts and the primary basis of all of them is access to care. Um, some of our, our key policy priorities include improving access to medical care and treatment, which includes telemedicine um, systems. It also includes various, treat various treatment models, including biologics and biosimilars, maintaining asthma and allergy program funding that comes through the federal government, particularly um, reducing health risks for allergy and asthma emergencies. And this includes making sure that schools around the country are able to stock albuterol in their schools for medical emergencies. Um, additionally, we work to mitigate environmental health hazards. That includes our work um, dealing with the, e the Environmental Protection Agency on some of the regulations that are coming out of that agency. And last but not least, improving health equity. And that includes, again, from helping with an educational component to various models of transportation to getting access to care, um, in addition to making sure that you know treatment is being um, dealt with in a very strategic way where it's getting to the folks that need it the most, particularly in the more underserved communities. Uh, uh, when, when I was when I was on your website, I, I saw uh, one of the initiatives uh, was dealing with insurance companies who may or may not. Uh, be covering some of the more advanced uh, treatments for, for for asthma. Talk a little bit about about your advocacy in in those realms. Well, a lot of our work in regards to with just the insurance companies overall is really bringing to the forefront, you know, what the need is and why that is. I mean, we have again a, a lot of resources and and just um, materials that kind of state what the impacts are of a lot of these conditions. Because many of these insurance companies, again, they're not necessarily understanding what the grave impact is and certainly where the various treatments are needed. And this even comes into play where we're working in the mode of getting 
um, some step therapy legislation passed in Congress where it really helps individuals get access to the right medications at the right time and not having to go through various steps by utilizing medications that aren't necessarily um, able to kind of treat them appropriately and or that have been deemed to be the right course of treatment by their physician. So this would kind of bring to the forefront really helping patients get their medications as you know, as prescribed by their physicians, and if not being there being a waiver of sorts to be able to do so. Um, additionally, we're really working with our patients in regards to just working with insurance companies on just copay assistance. Um, there's a bill currently in Congress now that will help with um, copay assistance, where really helps to make sure like an individual's deductible. Um, the cost of the deductible and whatever they're paying into their copay applies to that deductible. So we're trying to look at it from multifaceted points of view um, by certainly, again, our view is always at the patient first um, as we deal with all sorts of entities that come um, into the forefront. You know, those of us who live on the West Coast are used to wildfires and smoke in the air and, and, and all of that. But now that the wildfires have, have and the smoke has moved, to, moved east, I'm wondering, uh, and, and now virtually the entire country uh, is, 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 in, is involved with this. I'm wondering what the, what the network does as, 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 as these wildfires proliferate, as the smoke from the wildfires become more common, becomes more commonplace. What, what are your efforts to begin, begin to deal with this new threat to lung health? Well, from an advocacy standpoint, Charmaine is championing those. I can speak from a public relations, media, and education standpoint. So immediately when it, wildfires happen, whether it's on the West Coast or the East Coast and we're being impacted, we will immediately start PR outreach and media campaigns so we can get into newspapers on radio shows and other things to actually give people good solid information about how to stay safe and healthy in those conditions and tips for them to try to manage the air quality by staying in um, and other aspects to actually use their inhalers if necessary, if their symptoms going to see their doctor, if they're really not being able to control their symptoms, things like that. And then, um, and then the other thing, we do a lot of social media outreach um, to actually educate people as well as, as disseminating information on our website. Um, Carmaine, would you like to cover the advocacy aspects of good air quality? Sure. So again, a number of our efforts um, are pertaining to dealing with the Environmental Protection Agency and advocating for, you know, cleaner air. And, and certainly that involves, you know, the monitoring and dealing with air quality as it relates to those who are living with chronic um, respiratory illnesses, um, particularly just as ways to help mitigate. Um, you know, currently, as we're dealing with the issue at present, is how best now can we help mitigate the circumstance in order to support those who live with, you know, very, you know, worsening respiratory illnesses and whether there are cooling centers and things of that sort um, and or being able to get, um, you know, air conditioning units in place for those who are suffering the most, making sure our seniors and others um, are, are well cared for. And that's just from an administrative regulatory standpoint, but also we're working um, within Congress on dealing with you know, the wildfire issues, um, one of which we're currently working with a Senator who is hoping to deal with more, again, community impacts and how best to improve air quality, 
and readiness um, in that regard. So we're busy in both the congressional side of life as well as working within those regulatory agencies at the federal level to really hopefully make impacts, um, not only to be kind of as we are now in a very reactive mode because things are kind of already in, you know, spinning out of control, but really being prepared for what comes next. Um, and that's kind of where we hope to, to kind of bring some kind of a source of resolution and, and comfort to those who, like myself, who live with respiratory illnesses. And Dr. Lenore, this is something that you see every day in your, in your practice, uh, whether it's dealing with the uh, you know, smoke from wildfires or, 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 just, or just the, the regular patients that come in uh, with, uh, with, with allergies and, and with asthma. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your, your practice and your and the connections that that that, that you make for uh, with 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 the, the kinds of things that the that the network is providing. Yeah, well, I always chosen to practice in urban inner cities. Uh, in fact, in the city of San Francisco, where you have about 25 or 30 allergists, I was the only allergist south of Market, which is uh, grossly underserved and very diverse. Uh, and so, consequently, I know we're we're kind of all hands on deck. Uh, as the only specialist in that area for those um, people most at risk. I think why this conversation is important, and, uh, and maybe the, um, Linda uh, and doesn't uh, uh, understand it from my perspective, is that the things that we cannot do, and, and, and education at the quality level that the Allergy and Asthma Network does, we can't do. Uh, the problem is that there is a gap between my community uh, and the educational opportunities that they would get from um, from something like the Asthma and Allergy Network. That doesn't mean that the health equity programs of the network are not effective. They are. It's just that we've got a very intransient uh, group of people with a very bad asthma who need almost every service that they offer, not only just the clinical services, but also those the advocacy services to get into our communities and cut down not only on the smoke, but the pollution. We advocate for that through all, all of the uh, seven Bay Area counties and have had some success through the years in doing that. But the resources that they have are resources that our community needs. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to make this connection because I can guarantee you with all of the information that they have and resources that they have for dealing with uh, situations like that, uh, that our community really still doesn't know much about it and how to access them. And that's why as part of our asthma initiative, we wanted to have this um, this uh, conversation. Ms. Mitchell, just to, just to pick up on that, on that point, um, what I'm hearing uh, is that it really takes a village to address all of the issues surrounding asthma and allergies. Given that, how important do you think it is for your, for your network, for the network, to collaborate with organizations like the African-American Wellness Project? Well, what we've learned over the, especially over the past four years is just like you said, it takes a village. Um, we mostly, our website will be found by people who are actually looking for that information, not by people who maybe need the information most. And so what we have, we've created this program called Trusted Messengers and Trusted Messengers is working with valuable trusted messengers like Dr. Lenore who know their communities well and know what their needs are, and then working in partnership with these trusted messengers to help to reach local communities. So part of our 
work is outreach events and actually scheduling these events where people are bringing culturally and linguistically appropriate in Spanish if we need to, to those communities so we can share information to to folks who may not be coming to us directly. So that's gonna be a key focus of our work increasing into the future years is not only reaching people who actually come to us, but working with trusted messengers to reach when it, it, to help reach people who really need our work, our help, but who don't know where to find us or how to find us. So Dr. Lenore, there seems to be a natural synergy here, right? Well, I think we've worked with them in the past. There's no question. I think we're we're a little bit more aggressive now in trying to get the message out because there's really no reason for a, a, a child or an adult to be in the hospital. I mean, right. I think if they're appropriately treated uh, and yet we still leave the country, one out of every three deaths of a child is, uh, is an African-American child. African-American women still have the highest rates of mortality from asthma in the country. So. Well, we're not getting, we're just not, we're doing better, obviously, and we're doing all you can on one organization, cannot be expected to do everything. But you have so many resources that I think a partnership of any type and programs like this, which we have the capacity to get to thousands of African Americans are so critically important. And, and just, just to, to, to tie a little bow around this, uh, Ms. Anderson, uh, I, I would guess that the kinds of connections that the network is making overall, but also with the African-American uh, Wellness Project, is the kind of connection that you need to be able to take to legislators and other folks who who, who set the policy uh, to show them that uh, A, it's really important, and, and B, uh, uh, this, is, this comes from the grassroots. It doesn't come from some ivory tower somewhere. 100%. Um, you know, when I, I've been, working in the world of advocacy now for 30 years and what we say matters um and if we don't speak people don't hear they don't understand they don't understand the impacts and so with that being said you know i am truly truly um one that can quote unquote from my prior years be the cheerleader for anyone who would like to be in the world of advocacy um, it, it's an important tool that, you know, or mission area that the network has to really bring the issues to the forefront of members of Congress, to members in their state legislatures, to even within your community. Um, I think it's important to kind of share stories about what you're going through. We have various opportunities for folks to do that. We have various opportunities for folks to engage with us in advocacy. Um, particularly even on our website, where it's very easy to engage on some of the key issues that we're advocating for at the federal level. Additionally, we have an annual come into DC and let's do meetings on Capitol Hill. It's called Allergy and Asthma Day on Capitol Hill. It's normally the first week in May every year where we set up meetings for folks to go and meet with their legislators and tell their story. Um, in addition to kind of highlighting the key areas that um, that we are pushing in regards to just allergy and asthma network as a whole to support the patient community. So again, I think folks can advocate, you know, at any level. Um, again, like I said, at the federal level, at the state level, within their own community, and certainly most importantly, advocate for self when you're going to see and dealing with your issues um, in regards to dealing with your primary care physician, advocating within your family to make sure your family 
understands if it's them that's going through the issues to make sure they understand how best to advocate for self, but more importantly, those of us who care for those who cannot necessarily advocate for themselves to advocate for them. I think you're right. You have to advocate for yourself, but it's also wonderful to know that there's a that there's a support structure to be able to, uh, uh, to, to help us all do that, at least learn how to do that. As I suggested, uh, to effectively care for and prevent asthma really does take a village. And I'd like to thank Dr. Lenore and Ms. Anderson and Ms. Mitchell for uh, being with us today on the African-American Wellness Watch. And we hope that this podcast has empowered you to, and your family to take better control of your health and specific, specifically uh, asthma if you have it. We've got much more information about asthma and allergies on our website, the AfricanAmericanWellnessProject.org. And you can also get to the Allergy and Asthma Network site at AllergyAsthmaNetwork.org. Dr. Lenore, any final thoughts? No, just always the same final thought that we want people to remember their health is their biggest asset, so they need to protect. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.